welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. Razorback baseball once again gets the series victory over an SEC foe. We'll get into that as well as the Kentucky Derby controversy. I'm not going to try to break it down because I don't know anything about horse racing, really. But there are some things I think we can take away from it just from the sporting perspective. And, of course, you have your Game of Thrones reaction here in the final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. But we will start with the Razorback baseball team taking care of business against the Kentucky Wildcats on the road against in Lexington, where Arkansas wins two of three. Gets a game one victory Friday night. Was supposed to be a game on Saturday, but due to weather, had to move it forward to a double header on Sunday, which made for two seven inning games instead of two nine inning games. I know a lot of people had a lot of hot takes on that fact, but either way, Arkansas won the first game big on Sunday, lost the second game, had a chance to tie it up late, where they only had one out in the game and a man on third, but. Hitting into a double play is usually not the recipe for success, being in that situation. But either way, it was about getting the series victory, and that's what Arkansas got. So with six games left, two SEC series, Arkansas still holds the division lead over everyone in the SEC West by two games. Ole Miss and Mississippi State are two games back, but Arkansas does hold the Mississippi State series, or the tiebreaker over Mississippi State because they won that series. Ole Miss, though, is a different story. But uh, either way, it's going to be interesting to see how the next couple weeks play out and see where it goes. Uh, you know, it's become at this point in time in the season where discussions start getting thrown around of this team and expectations heading into postseason play and what this team should really be all about, what should be expected, should you get too excited, should you get your hopes up, you know, all that fun stuff when it comes to covering and talking about Razorback sports and this is just uh the latest example of it all and I think that Danny West if, if you don't follow him on Twitter he's a great follow Danny West one he uh writes for a uh, hogsports.com he has been able to put together comparisons from last year's team at this point to this year's team at this point which I think is a great indicator of just where this team stands because everyone knows how good that team was last year not only what they were able to do in the postseason play but I mean, for crying out loud, they they never lost a Friday series. You know, Blaine Knight went undefeated during that year. So everyone knows how great of a season that was last year. So I'm just going to go through some of the comparisons from what this team was through 49 games last year and through 49 games this year. So that way we have uh, the best way of indicating where this team stacks up. Check this. This year's team has a better overall record than last year's team. This year is 37 and 12. Last year at this point, 34 and 15. So you're talking about three win difference from this year to last year. What about the SEC record? Well, Arkansas right now is 17 and 7. Last year at this time, they were 15 and 10. What about the record versus top 25 teams? Arkansas this year is 11 and 6. Last year, seven and four. Have played a lot better teams this year. They have more wins, but they also have more losses, so you can take that for whatever you will. 
the last 10 games, Arkansas has gone 8-2 and two this year, where in their previous 10 games at this point last year, they went 6-4. and four. Four and one in the past five games, and three and two from and last year from the past five games. Total runs scored. This is a big one. Arkansas has 392 runs scored this season. Last year at this point, they had 352. That's 40 runs difference offensively. Well, that must mean they're giving up a lot of runs, right? I mean, it's, it's got to be something there, right? Well. Arkansas has given up 223 runs this year. Last year, 213. So, yes, they are giving up more runs, but only 10 more runs. SEC runs scored in these games. This is per game average. Arkansas has given up 6.5 runs per game this year compared to 6.28 last year, so a little higher there. But the SEC runs allowed 4.5 per game this year. And 4.88 last year. So better defensively in the SEC. Great stats there by Trey, uh, excuse me, Danny West of Hawksports.com. And I think that right there kind of shows you exactly what this team is. They're a really good team. They're a team that lost a lot from last year, but a team that is destined to make it back to Omaha. And it's not going to be by accident. It's going to be because they're one of the better teams in the country. Right now, they are in position to be a national seed. Right now, they are a top-five team. In fact, D1Baseball.com, Baseball America, both have Arkansas number four in the country. Their RPI is number four in the country. Everything about them is top-five when it comes to how you look at a team and what the expectations should be. So given all that and looking at how great that team was last year, this is leading me to believe that there's no reason why this team can't be right back in the national championship, in the College World Series final, once again this year. There's no reason for it. Now, should that be where the expectation is at? Eh, I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. You're the one that decides the expectation. I'm just the one that tries to make sense out of it all, which I know I fail miserably sometimes. But either way, that's up to you to decide exactly what the expectation is. But when you look at those numbers, folks, and you start really thinking about it, to me it's easy. <laughs> this team should be expected to get back to Omaha. This is a college World Series team, and anything less than that will be a bummer. But if they get to the college World Series, there's no reason that this team can't be right back in the mix for winning it all. It's amazing how much they lost and how much that they're having success right now. And it is amazing just how great of a coach you have in Dave Van Horn. Dave Van Horn right now is at his peak. He is at the pinnacle of his coaching tenure at Arkansas. It hasn't gotten any better than what he's had last year and this year. Can he keep it going? Time will tell. But he's got to be able to make it happen this year. If they win it this year, <laughs> redemption is such a sweet song to hear if you're a Razorback fan. <laughs> You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I got to talk about the Kentucky Derby, folks. Uh, I don't talk horse racing very much, and I think for obvious reasons. 
One is that most people don't care to hear it about it on this podcast, and two is because I don't know jack squat about horse racing. And no, I don't want to know and dive into and learn all the ins and outs about horse racing. It's not that I don't respect the sport. It's not that I don't respect anybody who follows it closely. It's just the amount of time that I could dedicate myself to learning about horse racing is just not going to happen. But I do enjoy events. And that's one thing that I think most Americans do is that they might not be a diehard fan of a, of a particular sport, but they're big fans of big events like the Kentucky Derby. Most people aren't horse racing fans, but they want to go to Kentucky Derby. They want to watch the Kentucky Derby. I mean, everybody I know wanted to watch the Kentucky Derby. It's like the Masters, too, in golf. A lot of people that I know who watch the Masters aren't diehard golf fans. I don't consider myself to be a diehard golf fan. I do enjoy golf, and I do enjoy watching the majors, but that's about the extent. I'm a big event sport guy. I like big events. If that's wrong, okay, that's fine. But that's how I am, and that's how a lot of you are. And when the Kentucky Derby was ran on Saturday, it became a whole new kind of storyline than what even any of us could have described or thought about or even scripted when it comes to what ended up transpiring at the end of that race. First of all, that track was disgusting. Like, let's be honest here. That track was gross. It was raining all day. The weather was awful. They, they, they were running in clay. I mean, that, that was just horrible. And so I, I just looked at that, and it's like, man, this kind of sucks. I understand that's part of the race, and it's not like you can control Mother Nature or anything like that, but my goodness, I, I, just, I couldn't imagine having to run horses in that. So for, for one, that was pretty bad. And there's still 150,000 people there, which, once again, it shows you the impressiveness of it all and how people really care about it and care about watching it. But this is something that's been going on for 145 years, the Kentucky Derby, 145 years. That's a long time, a lot longer than any, pretty much any other sport or major event has been going on here in the United States. So obviously there's a lot of history and tradition. But it already had some controversy going into it because Omaha Beach – the favorite horse of the Kentucky Derby got scratched early last week. So he was not going to run in the race, which kind of threw everybody in a loop because they were like, oh, my gosh, so where, who's going to be the favorite now? Well, after it all settled down, maximum security ended up being the favorite in the Kentucky Derby. And it was going off at, I believe, four to one odds. So, you know, if anybody, it wasn't like there was just tremendous odds in his favor, but he was the favorite nonetheless. So a lot of people put money on maximum security, and there are a few other horses like Game Winner and Win, Win, Win and Long Range Toddy or whatever that people were interested in or at least you know, put money on because, hey, well, who knows what happens in a horse race? And since the favorite's out, who really knows what's going to happen in this race? So that's really where it all began to kind of get interesting, at least from the sports perspective. Well, the race starts, and Maximum Security, the favorite, is leading the entire time. Every step of the way, it's, he's leading. He's winning. And he wins. He goes through the finish line, and, and he gets all the, everyone's cheering, and he does the fist pumps, and everyone's excited about it all. And 
they do an interview with him afterwards or not actually you know the horse but the jockey that was riding uh maximum security his trainer they're talking with him and how excited he is about it all this fun stuff well after the race ended an obje- a few ad- objections were raised country house was one of the ones who was finished second raised an objection saying that there was some rule breaking or some interference going on on the final turn of the race and it was really caused all by maximum security so you had a very long process a very long delay and anytime you have a long delay like that odds are it's not going to be pretty for who the objection was called upon and that's exactly what happened For the first time in 145 years of this race running, 145 years, the objection stood and maximum security was disqualified from the race. After winning it, after everyone freaking out and in celebration of them having their winning tickets, after interviewing (laughs) the poor jockey and the trainer and all these guys that were involved and how exciting they were, it's all gone. DQ'd disqualified country house ends up winning the kentucky derby going off at 65 to 1 in the odds so the betting world went nuts everybody went crazy this was by far the most intriguing and nutso story of all but either way that's the way it ended so i do i care about horse racing that much uh, obviously not just the kentucky derby but i do care about controversy And I do care about interesting storylines. And there's no doubt that this was a storyline. And people were all up in arms for various reasons on why this was such a bad move, how this was terrible, this was bad for the sport, burr, 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 and all these different things. And and how I looked at it is I saw it as, you know, you got to get it right. You have rules in there and you want to get it right. And according to the rules and according to how things went, they got it right. So let's move on from it. Just officials will never, ever get the benefit of the doubt. They'll never, ever be uh, praised. They'll only be criticized. And that's the unfortunate thing about it. But in reality, though, this is why I don't bet on horses. This is why I don't bet in major games. I do uh, do some side bets here and there, but this is why I don't really get involved. Because I, I can't imagine if you were somebody who had maximum security winning, you bet a whole lot of money on him, and he ended up winning only to have it taken away from you. I don't want to experience that feeling ever. That doesn't sound like a feeling that I would enjoy because I know most of you, or in fact, I know all of you who bet on maximum security, who lost, probably didn't have a great feeling, did you? But alas, that's the way it goes. It's the way the cookie crumbles. And I'm so glad and there's no other sport that's like that where a race that lasts two minutes can change the fortune for so many different people for so many different reasons. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the final segment of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. It's the Monday's edition of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast, which you know what that means. It's Game of Thrones time, baby. And and I got to discuss last night's episode. So 
If you have not seen it, if you have not watched the show, or if you just do not care, which I'm sure all could be applicable, just go ahead and turn off the podcast now because we're going to discuss some of it and we're going to get into some spoilers and all of that. Uh, so again, episode four of season eight of Game of Thrones. About to get into it right now. So again, spoiler alert to all of you who have not watched it. So here we go. I thought episode four of Game of Thrones was the best one so far this season. Um, it did. There hasn't really been an episode that has wowed me in the plot line uh, just yet. Uh, and I'm not trying to be nitpicky because I think some people are being over the top about their criticisms of Game of Thrones and how uh, it is a lot of it's transpired so far this season. But uh, I will say though that I have I've enjoyed this season. But season or episode four to me was the best one because it got back into the political part of it where it wasn't just, all right, who's going to die or how's the dragons going to come into play? It was actually like true, legitimate politics, backstabbing, anger, fear, frustration, a uh, few shock type of uh, scenarios that ended up playing out. And, uh, you know, it looks like that the war is about to wage here in this next episode between uh, the North and uh, King's Landing. So uh, just a few things that really stood out to me was uh, obviously the relationship of Daenerys and everybody pretty much is being strained, is being pushed to the uh, to the maximum. And uh, she has every right to be upset because in this episode two, she had another dragon die. Uh, she has every right to be frustrated because not only did a dragon die, but uh, you know her, I don't call her her handmaid, but her right-hand woman was captured and killed, uh, her head cut off right in front of her. Uh, Missandre. So, uh, you know, all, all of these things have been going on. She, Daenerys has a right to be upset, but she is also so obsessed with power and obsessed with getting to the throne, the Iron Throne, that it's kind of blinded her in a lot of ways. And I think that the writers are doing a good job of kind of trying to portray her, too, as going down the same route, and the same path as her father, the Mad King. And, you know, you're starting to see that play out, and she's starting to resent Jon Snow because of how people feel about him, how he's just a natural leader. Everyone loves Jon Snow. They admire his courage, his honesty, uh, the way he leads, even though he doesn't want to be a leader. And that drives her crazy. She doesn't want that. She wants the Iron Throne because she thinks she deserves it. Well, as we've known how it's played out, Jon Snow technically now is the heir to the iron throne which is obviously known now by uh, Daenerys and she is not happy about that and she is going to do whatever it takes to make sure no one finds out about it that's why she has Jon Snow promise and swear to her that she will uh, he cannot tell a soul because if he does everything will change everything which again I don't blame her for doing it that way because she knows the impact it'll have but at the same time, though, Jon Snow, he's an honest man. He's honest about everything. He doesn't omit anything. He's always going to be upfront. And the fact that he ends up telling Sansa, or he allows Brand to tell, or Brand to tell Sansa and uh, Arya, like when I hear when he does that, it's like, I mean, that's just who he is. You knew that was coming. So I'm curious to see how this part's going to play out with all the frustrations boiling over. And now Daenerys has taken a lot of hits, a lot of hits, especially in this past episode. Dragon dies, Sandre dies, like, and everyone's like 
arguing with her about how her strategies are going and how that she should handle her her whole group and her whole crew of uh, of warriors. But I here's my prediction. If you want a prediction, here's my prediction. I predict that uh, that Danny Daenerys dies, and she dies by the hand of somebody that's one of her followers because she goes mad. Her lust for power is overbearing. She wants to go in and torch the entire King's Landing, kill millions of innocent lives, and somebody stops her from doing that. I think she also, whether it's Tyrion or somebody that's following her, somebody that's close to her, she turns on them. She just starts turning on people because she's she gets desperate and she gets scared. And so when all that happens, I think everything starts to crumble. But I still think... The North wins. I just don't know if they win because of Daenerys and her leadership. Somehow Jon Snow is going to take up and lead them, even though he doesn't want to. He's going to lead them to victory. So uh, either way, I, I know that I understand people's frustrations of the show and, and haven't really felt like it's been that great or that mind-blowing, especially when it's had two years in development, two years of writing to get to that point. I understand that, but I'm again, I am still just waiting until these final two episodes play out. And then once the episodes end and the whole series is over, then I will give my full-fledged reaction to the season and whether or not I really liked it or whether or not it was absolutely god-awful. So either way, uh, we'll wait till that happens. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at RushJohnNeighbors. For any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, we will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 